Paul prayed for the church that they might be able to do great and powerful things. So I want you to not just pray generic, small-minded prayers, but to think big. What can you do as the body of Christ in your town? How can you transform your town to be involved in transformation of your town where I've called you and led you to live? But you can't do it with just small prayers. You can go back to me. Go back to the main. But for so many of us, prayer is often the last thing we get to, isn't it? It's kind of the last thought. We like to do our own thing. We try to do or use our own works. We try to use our own knowledge, our own skills, our own abilities. And we forget that we've stopped tapping into the power source that is God. Remember last week I brought up the extension cord. Even if they've been plugged into the power strip, but never plugged the power strip into the wall. It's like us trying to live our lives as powerless Christians without being tapped into the power source. One of the prayers that I'm guilty of praying, one of the small prayers, is, and you probably have gotten into the habit as well, there's certain prayers that we just repeat, repeat, repeat as we go through life that never really, we just say them, but we don't really think of the words. Kind of like some of those songs we can sing. We can sing these songs every Sunday, come in here, sing them throughout the week, but they never really stop and think of what we're really singing. Like, sit down for a meal. Heavenly Father, thank you for this meal. I pray that you bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. Then we go to the fairgrounds, and we get that fried cheese. We get that fried Oreo, the fried Twinkie, the fried bacon wrap. You're like, Lord, before I consume this, thank you, and bless it to the nerds into our system. Just be thankful to God. Say, God. But be mindful of the words we pray as we're praying to God. And as Paul is writing here, we're getting ready, we're going to look here in Philippians, 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 Philemon, verses 4 through 6 this morning. There's only one chapter in the book of Philemon. It's right before the book of Hebrews. And if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We're going to look at a few verses here and look at as Paul is writing back to Philemon what is it he's telling him I'm praying this so that this I'm praying this about you so that this the book of Philemon if you don't know about the Philemon Paul went and helped to start this church and then moved on from that church there in in this town where, where Philemon lives and he moved on and went back to Rome and then while he was imprisoned in Rome a slave named Onesimus somehow came to faith under Paul's preaching while he was there and became a, a helper to Paul. And he began, you know him? I led him to Christ. I was involved in the starting of the... Do you know Philemon? Well, yeah, I was a, a slave in his house. And I ran away. In fact, I didn't just run away. I took these things with me, this money or goods. But now I've got my heart right with Jesus. What do I do? So Paul is thinking through this whole thing and he writes this letter to Philemon and he says, I'm, if Onesimus, your slave, 
has become very helpful to me, and I'm sending him back to you now, not just as a slave, but as a brother in Christ, so he can be even more useful to you in the future. In fact, that's what Onesimus' name meant. It meant useful. So he says, he's come here to me, he's in Rome, he's been very useful to me here in the ministry that we are part of. Even though I'm in jail, even though I'm under house arrest, Onesimus has become very useful to me, but I'm sending him back to you so you can get your relationship restored. And then he writes in verse 4. He says, Philemon, I always thank my God as I remember you because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love of saints. How does he hear about this? From the mouth of Onesimus. Onesimus is there. He's going, yeah, this is my master. This is the one I worked. This is the one I, I served. I was a uh, part of his household as a slave, official slave in his household. And he was a great man. He, he, he loves, he has a great faith in Jesus Christ. He loves all the believers. And then Paul goes on. He says, and Philemon, I pray of every good thing we have in Christ. so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Now, why do you think that Paul chose to pray that for Philemon? Could it be that maybe he had, I mean, maybe it tied into why Onesimus ran away in the first place? Not just because he was a slave in the house, but maybe Philemon was not treating him well. Maybe Philemon was just, Paul was not there, there were other things going on, and he just, God was caught up in the world. We don't know exactly the reasons why Onesimus left. And we don't know exactly why Paul is writing what he is. Except we know it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he is writing this. And he says, Philemon, I'm praying that you may be active in sharing your faith. Continue to be active in sharing your faith. Other translations say it this way. Say, I pray that that the sharing of your faith may become effective so that you may have full understanding of everything we have in Christ. Whatever the reason was that Onesimus left, whatever the reason was that really burdened Paul and, and, and made him say, I need to write Philemon to encourage him to take this brother back. This, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, Philemon, understand this. As you share your faith, I want to encourage you to continue to be sharing your faith, to be out in your community, to live your faith among those around you. Because when you do that, you will have a complete and full understanding of who we are in Christ. Those two things seem to be linked together. Those two things are tied together. I mean, one of the biggest dangers we have in Christianity is complacency. It's being inward focused. It's being self-centered and thinking it all has to be about me. I got to have the music my style. I got to have the worship my style. I got to have church just my way. I got to have my uh, pastor's got to be dressed just the right way. Can't have jeans on. He can't have shorts. Can't have whatever tattoos or whatever. He's got to be. Everything's got to be my way. This very self-centered mentality that our world is driving us to. I mean, it leads us to become very judgmental and critical and fear-driven in the attitude that I've got to stay away from the world because I'm afraid of the world's influence in my life. So I'm going to circle the wagons, keep everything closed, keep everything right here, and I'm going to stop allowing myself to get into the world. I mean, think about the last thing Jesus said as he was ascending into heaven, just before he ascended. He said, you disciples, 
go home and hide away. No, it's not what he said, is it? He said, go therefore and make disciples. As you go, make disciples. Go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And as you go, go not in your own power, but go in the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send to indwell you. We go and we live our lives in this world in such a way that we are not doing it in our own life, in our own power, but we're doing it under the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. He says, you are a light in the darkness. You are a light in the darkness. In Matthew 5, uh, 14 through 16, he says it this way. He says, you are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Think of a lighthouse. It's up there. It sh- light is shining. For last summer, Regina and I got the, had the opportunity to go to New England, and we got to go see lighthouse after lighthouse and after lighthouse, and they're all set on high peaks overlooking the water, guiding the way for the ships to come in to keep them from the dangers of the shoals that are out there. He says, we, church, believers, you are that light of the world, a city set on the hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives a light to all in the house. And he goes on to verse 16, In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are the light in the darkness. God has brought us into the city. He's brought us here into this church. He's brought us into this community. He's taken us wherever you live. You are to be a light in that community. You are to be the example that people look to and say, there is something different about Mike Clement. There is something different about Mike Lloyd. There is something different about about young me. What is it? I need to get closer to them to find out exactly what it is that's different. What is it that drives them? What's their passion? And hopefully they find Christ. Because as we stand on the hill, we shine Christ. So knowing that about us, knowing that about our job, knowing that as we as believers, that is our job to be this light in the darkness, why don't we share our faith more? Why do we many times hide away in our homes and never get out into our community, to never get out to meet our neighbors? I mean, I know who my neighbors are, but I'll tell you, I'm ashamed that I don't know them better. I know the names of the person over here, the names of the couple around me, but I have not, even three years, done a great job of getting to know each of my neighbors the way I should have. You let, you let the garage door up, you pull in, you let the garage door go down, you get into your house. You never have to see your neighbor. Now, in our case, in many people's cases, you pull up to the garage, you open it up and you cringe because you can't pull your car any closer, and you close it real quick and you go in the front door. So why don't we spend more time? Maybe it's the lack of a sense of importance. We don't really realize the sense that it's important for us to get to know our neighbors, to share, to live Christ among them. Not because we're taking out your 90-pound King James Bible and you're banging it on their heads and preaching to them, but the importance of sharing the love of Christ with those around us. Maybe we don't like rejection. We don't like people telling us no. Nobody likes to be told no. Nobody does. We all want to be told yes, I believe, I accept what you're telling me. I mean, think of how many people come to your door every week. Have you got these salesmen come by and, oh, has anybody checked your roof lately? Has anybody checked your roof lately? How about your windows? You need to check your windows? And it's like, no, no, no. Comcast, you want to come change your cable service over to Comcast? No, no, no. 
None of us like getting told no, and yet we have to do it many times with these people. We don't like getting told no ourselves. We don't like the rejection that's there. Maybe it's selfish because we feel like it's an imposition. It's imposing on our time to live our way, to live that way. Maybe we don't feel qualified. Or we say, I don't know. What if they ask me questions that I can't answer? What if they ask me about the when Jesus is coming back? What if they ask me about the end times? What if they ask me about Revelation? What if they ask me about some question that I just can't answer? And so that keeps me from getting out there and sharing. But you know, we all get those questions. I get those questions. And there are times when people ask me questions like, you know, I don't know the answer to that question right off the top of my head. I will research it and find out, and I will get back to you. There's nothing wrong with that. For years, I kept telling my mom and dad, they're in Florida now, and I kept telling them, you need to go talk to your neighbors. You need to get out there everything. I'm like, you're not expected to know everything. The point is, we get out there and do it, and the more you do it, the more you come to know. Because then you all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins talking through you. We all think that when I get enough understanding, then I'll share. But really the truth is, as we share, we gain understanding. An understanding of who we are in Christ. An understanding of what Christ has done for us. An understanding of man's need for Him. The more we share with those around us, the more we come to understand just how valid this word is. See, sharing works this way. We share our faith. And as we share our faith, lives are touched. Lives are impacted as a result. When lives are impacted, we come to have an understanding of God's plan. We gain this understanding of of God in Scripture. We gain this understanding of who we are in Christ. And as we gain understanding in Christ, we become much more outward focused. And we stop looking in here and we come understanding of who Christ is. We become more outward focused, which makes us more excited to go share our faith more. His lives are transformed. We gain understanding and it becomes a circle that continues, right? But it all starts where? Putting yourself out there. So what happens then if you don't share your faith? Right? You don't share your faith. Lives are not impacted. Our understanding stays the same. And we become, we remain inward focused. Same thing happens. So in our minds, we really need to have this, not this. This, not this. Right? We need to remain focused on those around us so we are sharing our faith and being an example and remember those those five intersections of life i've been preaching and harping on i know you i know you all call it harping but it's really preaching those five intersections of life right where you workshop eat play and live workshop eat play live workshop eat play live it seems so simple but as god brings people into our lives we are to be there living the life being a light of christ sharing our faith Go ahead, next one. Living our life with those around us. Christ in the world. Maybe it's at work. Living. Whatever you are, wherever you are, God is going to bring people across your path that He wants you 
and me to talk to. They may or may not become a Christian. That is not up to us. What has God commanded us to do to get them saved? No, he said, you go and you share. You go and you be that light. You proclaim the truth with those around us. Because there are 8 billion people in this world now. 8 billion people with a B. Or almost. There's a lot of people in this world who have never heard about Jesus. Our job as a lighthouse, our job as God's children, our job as the church of Jesus Christ, God's instrument in this world, is to proclaim his name as much as possible to all those around it. We share, lives are impacted, we gain an understanding of who God is and what he wants us to do, and we become much more outward focused as we get excited, and then we share more. And it becomes this cycle, this circle. It's a great, wonderful circle. So then, how do we share faith? How do we then share our faith? Is it going door to door, taking some of the tracks back here and knocking on the doors and say, do you know if you Maybe it's at a ball game when you're talking with somebody and somebody says, hey, this is going on in my life. And you say, you know what, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I mean, it could be the way we talk to them. I mean, think in, in Peter in Acts 2. After the Holy Spirit comes on the early church, they're in the upper room, the tongues of fire come on them, and Peter goes out there, and he stands in front of all the crowd, and he lets them have it. He proclaims the name of Christ. He says, this one who you crucified, he is risen and wants to transform your life. And 3,000 people got saved that day. 3,000 people bowed their knee from all different nations, bowed their knee that day, and joined the church. Maybe it is that. The direct, the direct evangelism, and for those of us who go to, if you go to door-to-door, back when I was in school, we, had, we Regina and I had to take an evangelism class. And part of my, I don't know about her class, but mine, we were expected one or two sem- nights of, of the semester to go on this group, to go with our class and go out into a neighborhood and knock on doors and share with them about Jesus Christ. So before we got up to the door, we would pray, Oh Lord, let them not be home. We were scared. I was like, I mean, sometimes we prayed that. Some, I'm sure some people, it was like, but that's really what inside, even if we were praying, God, let your word go forth inside. I'm thinking, I hope there's nobody home. I hope they're busy. I hope they, whatever. Because I was scared to death. I didn't want to get in their face and talk to them. During spring break of my sophomore year, I guess, I went down to Clearwater Beach, Florida um, with, with a team, and we went down to Clearwater Beach. It's on the, the Gulf side. And our purpose for going down there was to do beach evangelism the whole week. I'm like, this is awesome. We get to play tug of war. I get to wear my zinc oxide again. I get to get sunburned. I get to put on my jams and get me out there in the water. But there were times that came up when we had all these activities on the beach that we would draw people in to come play these different games, whether it's volleyball or tug-of-war or whatever it was, frisbee, uh, beach frisbee, golf, frisbee football. And we'd pull people in from all around, all the other college students, and then 
Somebody was on a bullhorn and said, we're so glad you guys came today. We have some people around you scattered around, and they would like to ask you a survey. And we would ask them like, two simple questions. A couple questions about their lives, where they're from. Um, uh, what, it's more of a spiritual nature. Would you mind if we ask you that question? How, if you were to stand before God today, if you were to die, what would you say if he was taken through the word of God and showed them how God loved them, he died for them, and he rose for them, and how he wants to have a relationship with them? It took about 15 minutes. That was my first real opportunity for this direct confrontational type evangelism. And I was scared. I was nervous. But by the time we got, half, by, by the time we got halfway through the week, I got more comfortable with it and got more comfortable with it. So now sharing my faith with somebody is almost second nature. And I'm looking for opportunities now. Not because I'm not, I'm not I'm out there taking surveys of everybody in my neighborhood, but as I'm listening, as I'm talking to people, as I'm looking for, I'm engaging in conversation, I'm looking for opportunities to share and inject spiritual truth into our conversation. So we find these loving or direct ways. Maybe just sharing your story, like the blind man that Jesus healed in John chapter 9. He heals him, and then he says, go back to the city, and, and, and don't, but don't tell anybody. What does the blind man do? He goes in there, and everybody's like, weren't you the blind guy? Yeah, I was. Well, how did it happen? Well, I don't know what happened, but I met this guy, Jesus, and he came along, and he, he made my, he, I once was blind, but now I'm see. He just shared his story. He just told about his life. He says, this is what I was like before. This is what life is like now. Well, the demon-possessed man in Luke chapter 8 that Jesus healed, and he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go with you. He says, no, don't follow me. Go back to your city, and you tell them what God has done for you. You just tell the story of what God has done in your life. You don't have to have every verse in the Bible memorized. You don't have to have... You don't have to even know where to go to. You say, no, I don't, I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to Bible college or seminary. But let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me go tell you how God has changed my life. Maybe tell them how you used to smoke weed, drink whiskey, or shoot heroin, and now God trains you. For, or maybe you're a, 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 you didn't do that, but you did smoke Cheetos, drink NyQuil, and shoot squirrels. And how God transformed your life from what you used to be to where you are now. A third way you can be involved in sharing with people is just invite them to church. I mean, next week is the or kind of our launch day for the new name, right? And so we, last week we told you about the new cards we got back there, the Grace Life chart cards. Just walk up and say, you know what? We're starting a whole new thing in our church next week, February 2nd. So we're kind of launching this new thing. I want to invite you to come. Our preacher's kind of weird, but we got a great worship team. We got a bunch of people here who love Jesus, and he talks a little fast, but he's 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 a yang. He's he's from South Carolina, from grew up on the beach, but he's okay. I want to invite you to come, and while you're there, why don't you give them one of our life books as well? Give them the Gospel of Mark so they can have it, and give it to them. Invite them to come to church so they might see the body of Christ who is here, so they can experience the love of Christ that is going on here in this room. How they can be accepted. A fourth way. To share our faith is just living a life that others want to get around. I remember when I was in school, somebody came up to me one time and said, David, why are you always so happy? Nothing seems to get you down. You always have a smile on your face. Why are you always happy? 
You know, that has stuck with me because it's not because life always went easy. It's not because I always got straight A's. Not because my, my girlfriends always did the right thing. You know, that I was the perfect example all the way around. But it generally, I was a joyful person because of I understood who I was in Christ. I understood what Christ had done for me so I could set off all these other negative things in my life and understand I live for Christ first and foremost. I'm living for Him. I want to walk with Him. I understand how much He loved me. I understand what He saved me from and where I'm going. So the stuff that goes on in this world, in this life, I let it roll off my back. Do people notice that there's a difference about you? Do your neighbors, do your, does your family members, do they notice there's a different about, difference about you? Is there a marked, is your conversation that are told around you? I mean, there's a ways, there are ways, it's not, you don't always, always have to have this Bible on your desk, open up to John 3.16, but there's a way we can live our lives that lets those around us know we are different, we serve a risen Savior. And we are living a life that is different. But the best thing about sharing with somebody, <coughs> what happens then when we, as we share with somebody, what takes place when we share our, our faith with somebody? Probably one of the best things I love is that we get to share in their divine story. As we share our faith with somebody, and this is really what Paul is encouraging Philemon, he says, don't stop sharing your faith. Because as you share your faith, you get to be involved in that divine in their divine story. You get to be involved in that process. They may not become a Christian right then, but there's a story that they're going to tell that you've been able to be a part of, and they can point back to you. As a seven-year-old little boy sitting in children's church, my children's church leader prayed the sinner's prayer, and I repeated after him. He said, who in here wants to become a Christian today? I was like, me? I didn't know what it really meant. But that man, I have no clue who he is. That man played the integral part in my story. As he shared the story of Jesus that, that, that Sunday morning, as he shared about how much Jesus loved us, how he died for us, and he says, who here wants to go to heaven and be with Jesus? I was like, me. And he led me to a side room at the end and explained it to me a little closer, a little more detail, and prayed with me. I became a Christian that, that day because that man was faithful in sharing with a seven-year-old little boy in children's church. He is a part of my story. Who is a part of your story? Is it a Sunday school teacher? Is it a children's church worker? Is it an aunt or an uncle or a parent or a brother or sister? Or maybe it's a co-worker? A neighbor who is a part of your story and whose story do you want to be a part of? Faith in Christ. And also, understand that as we share our faith with others, our faith grows. Our faith grows. As you exercise your faith, it grows. When you first go to the gym to work out, what happens to the muscles that first time or two you go to the gym? You come home and you're like, oh. I can't move the next day, right? Your muscles are sore. When we were living in China, I went to go work out with our, our head chef at our restaurant, and he was a bodybuilder. He wanted to get pumped up and get big. And so he said, come on, we're going to go and 
you're getting fat there, David. We're going to go to the gym and work out. We're going to get you skinny. So we went and worked out legs one of our very first times. I remember we're pushing these weights. We're pushing the weights. And my legs were pretty strong, but I was pushing it, pushing it, pushing it for like 30 minutes or an hour. And then I had to walk home. And we went to rode the elevator down, and I'm okay walking down the elevator. And I go to walk home, and it's a, about a half-mile walk uphill to our apartment. I was okay. I was, I was okay. I, I, I walked slowly, and my legs were starting to ache a little more. Then I got to the bottom floor, to the door that goes into our apartment building. We lived on the sixth and seventh floor of the apartment building without an elevator. By the time I got up to our house, Regina was having a, a meeting in the house with some other ladies. I walked in, and my legs were literally, I could, they were shaking so badly I had to go sit down, and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't make them stop moving. They were just involuntarily, there was, it had been exercised way over too much. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was hard. Next morning I woke up. I couldn't feel my legs. And then later on, I didn't want to feel my legs. When the feeling came, I was like, ow! My calf, my thigh, my toe, my ankle, my butt, my waist, everything hurts. And I just walked around. I can't even pick up, I can't even pick up my fork. It hurts so bad. Next time I went, my legs shook a little. My muscles didn't hurt nearly as bad. And after going with him for a month, I still didn't get buff, still didn't lose any weight, but it never hurt nearly that bad again because I was exercising. As we share our faith, our faith grows because we are exercising our faith. It's not our job to get people saved. It's not our job to lead them in the sinner's prayer. It is our job to proclaim the truth and to share and exercise our faith and push ourselves in such a way that we are stretched. Because when that happens, we are reminded of what we have in Christ. As we share our faith with others, we are part of their divine story. As we share our faith with others, our faith grows. And as we share our faith with others, we are reminded once again what Christ did for us. Do you think maybe Philemon forgot what Christ had done for him? How he had saved him from slavery to sin? Maybe, in my, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe Onesimus ran away because Philemon was not treating him like a good slave master, like a good boss, but was being condescending and looking down and so made him want to leave and run away. That's why other, other places in Scripture, when Paul is writing he says, slave masters, owners, treat your slaves well. Treat those who work in your house well. Be good examples of those. And maybe he could have said, not like Philemon, who treated a slave in such a way that made him run away. I don't know. We don't know exactly why Onesimus ran away. But he's writing here, says Philemon, remember what Christ did for you. Because as you share your faith, as you're active in sharing your faith, you come to this 
full understanding, this full understanding of what Christ did for you. We remember what he saved us to. So as we share our faith, lives are transformed, they're impacted. We gain a fuller understanding of what God did for us. We become more outward focused so we can continue that cycle again. Paul says, Philemon, this is your job to participate in this. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Philemon, that is my prayer for you. And this letter didn't just go to Philemon. It got read throughout the churches there in Asia Minor. They all got the message. And the same message that was there for them was there for us as well.